Okay, now, note to self, don't have your daughter introduce you. It makes your eyes leak. <laughs> My throat's all like, <laughs> you know, thank you. Thank you, Rachel, that was beautiful. And thank you, Rachel and Carrie, for worship. Always a blessing. Well, good evening, ladies. How are you? Good. Well, we got a lot of ground to cover tonight, so we are jumping right out, right in there. And um, we're going to be looking at hospitality. And most of you probably have a default, um, as Rachel was saying, what we kind of normally think hospitality is in terms of opening our homes and sharing meals and time with friends and family in some capacity. Um, And that is a beautiful, beautiful part of hospitality. But true biblical hospitality has a much broader spectrum And it is a huge topic. There's no way we are going to cover it tonight, but we're going to try to look at a few sides of it. So um, let's pray. Father, we come before you, and um, as we just so beautifully sang, you have done truly great things in it, in our lives, and you want to continue to do great things through our lives. And we know, um, apart from you, we can't do any of it. So tonight, as we look to your word, and we look to um, this instruction that you give us. Um, We ask that our hearts would be soft, and your spirit would speak, and that we would take away exactly what we individually need from this night, Lord, whether it's um, maybe someone already got it in worship, praise the Lord if that's true, or through the word, or through a workshop, Lord. We look to see you move on our behalf tonight. And Lord, we want to lift up um, the gals that are already across the the parking lot at Operation Hope, that that group of women are already over there in the midst of their workshop, um, blessing the women there, loving the women there, coming alongside them, blessing the children. Lord, we pray for just a fruitful evening, friendships to be made, and your name to be lifted high. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start with a question. What is biblical hospitality? And there's a lot of different answers out there, and these are a few that I think are accurate. Hospitality is receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, and generous way. Hospitality can come in many forms, but the ultimate purpose is to honor and obey God by joyfully serving those around us with open hearts, open hands, and open doors. And one of our workshop leaders shared that hospitality is more than inviting others into your home. It's inviting them to you. And I like this one from She Reads Truth. It is the work of making room in our lives for others. And true hospitality is a posture of charity toward the poor, of welcome toward the displaced, and of humility and gentleness toward the hurting. And I think there's always a few additional questions that um, come around this topic of hospitality. Is it a spiritual gift or a biblical command? Is it to be shown to some or shown to all? Is it a help simply to be accomplished, or does the attitude of our heart matter? And as we look at these following verses, um, the answer to all those questions is yes. And so hopefully you got a handout when you came in, um, because there was a lot of verses, and it's just easier to look at them sometimes than to have someone reading them out loud to you, but 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Romans twelve thirteen. when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. 
Hebrews 13.2, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And Hebrews 13.6, and don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And so we see in those verses some instruction and framework, but what we really want to know was what does it look like lived out? And the answer to that is found in the full context of God's word. You can start at the beginning of the Old Testament and travel all the way through to the end of the New Testament and see many accounts, examples, illustrations, and lives that we can look at and um, glean from. In fact, how many of you did our face-to-face Bible study last year? We did Women of the Bible, and I couldn't, there were so many women that their legacy was what? Hospitality. They were very generous in giving. Tonight, for the sake of time, we really can only look at one example, and it's the most important one, and the one that demonstrates the true heart of hospitality, and that's Jesus. And we must begin by acknowledging and remembering the grace-filled invitation extended to all of humanity to partake of life in him. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or another way to say that is while we were sinners, Christ made room for us. And when we accepted that invitation, we went from sinners and filthy rags to heirs robed in righteousness, orphans to daughters, strangers to friends. Therefore, Romans 15, 7 says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And I like this paraphrase um, that I saw in a She Reads Truth devotional. Uh, It says, we posture our hearts to welcome others in response to the invitation we have been given through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love because he loves. We welcome because he welcomed. We invite because he invited. And and don't we say now, like we're believers, yeah, we want to be like Jesus. And isn't that always the work of God to transform us to be more like Jesus? And if that's true, then we should follow the exhortation of the scripture to be imitators of him. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. And so if it's our desire to align our heart with his in this area of hospitality, hospitality, we need to imitate his humility, his submission, his obedience to the Father's will, his willingness to esteem others above self, his compassion, his mercy, his grace, his patience, forgiveness. And really, I was thinking about this today, when it, when it comes to extending hospitality, especially to people maybe we don't know very well or are strangers to us, I would say that the great place to start is by imitating kindness. Just kindness goes so far. So it is in the gospel accounts that we follow the footsteps of Jesus. And I remember years ago, Pastor Rob encouraging us to be regular gospel readers, to stay intimate with the life of Christ, his heart, and his example of ministry to others. So last week I took some time um, with my Bible and a blank notebook to sit down and read through the Gospels. Has it been a while since you've done that? It's really been a while since I just sat down and read through them. I'm actually still in the process of that. 
But as I traveled through a variety of Christ encounters, conversations, situations of need, circumstances that seemed impossible, and more people personalities than one can imagine, I was reminded through the life of Jesus what hospitality looks like with skin on. And it was a great time in the Word, um, very moving at times and encouraging, but it also raised some kind of hard and honest questions about the posture of my own heart, the alignment of my own heart with his as it relates to biblical hospitality. And, and a lot came up, and I'm only going to share three of them with you because I think those are the most pertinent for tonight. So number one, am I willing and available to be engaged with people? Jesus was all about people. And if you want to be in the heart and the business of hospitality, you need to be about people too. And when you read through the Gospels, you, you see all these phrases. He walked and he, and he went out. You know, he didn't really hunker down. He didn't even have a house. Um, he was out in the midst of the people, in their homes. And actually, he invited himself a few times, and I thought that was pretty funny. Um, encountered them in the temple, in the markets, on the hillsides, in the fields, even the highways and the byways. And he saw people. He really saw them. He looked in their eyes. And he spent time with them, and as he did, he came to know their needs. And he talked with them, and he entered into their story. He listened. Do you know that hospitality can be quiet? I think one of the greatest extensions of hospitality is a listening ear to someone. He touched. He reached out his hand, extended his arm. And really the lesson is, ladies, we can't be idle or isolated and practice hospitality. So question number two, do I show partiality? And this is a tough one. You know, Jesus made room for all. And remember in the earlier verses we read, um, we see that hospitality is to be extended to one another, God's people, strangers, and those in need. He He ministered to family and followers, neighbors and strangers, sinners and saints, rich and poor, young and old, friend and foe, enemy alike, the healthy and the sick, the successful, the popular, but also the socially despised, the outcast, the scary, the ones that people just would not even consider having anything to do with. And he ministered to one, and he ministered to a multitude, and just there was no boundaries. He was all about the people. And you know, our culture is so, so crazy right now. It's very divisive and very fractured. There's a lot of us and them. And our lens can be one of judgment and criticism and legalism and self-righteousness. And really, it exposes our selfish pride and literally hangs the not welcome here sign on the heart and door of our life. And that's kind of blatant. But you know, partiality can be very subtle, too. Because I know I'm partial to my own comfort zones, to my family or my groups of friends that are easy. And I know them and they know me. And sometimes, inadvertently, but sometimes I'm hanging the no vacancy sign on the heart and door of my life. And you know, ladies, I was thinking about this today. Um, There's so much potential in this area for us if we will widen our circles and open and um, allow people in. Um, People that we know or that we casually know, people that we don't know. We need to... um, open to new, and, and sometimes it's the unknown. And I think for a lot of us, that's the hard part. But um, 
We have to guard against partiality because I think it really quenches the spirit. And James 2 is a great chapter that addresses partiality. And it says when we show partiality, it's a sin. That's a strong word. So I want to say if that happens, but I know for a lot of us it's when it happens because we just do sometimes. You know, we have the beauty of confession and forgiveness and being made right and just asking the Lord to help us see as he sees, and then just moving on and keeping doors open to others. And then the third question is, do I believe, I mean really believe, that the power of God seen in the gospel accounts can be used through my life to impact others? Most of the people, not all, but most people left the presence of Jesus changed. I marveled at story after story where he gave others value and worth. The extension of his love resulted in repentance and salvation. You know, the word says kindness leads to repentance. And I, I just wonder if we really believe that. that do, we, do we get that the fact that one act of kindness that we might show could be the threshold to salvation for someone? I think if we look at it that way, we'll see it in a different light. He filled tummies and quenched thirst, brought restoration, healing, deliverance, freedom, hope, new life, peace, rest, friendship, and and the list goes on, and and it's very impressive. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's Jesus. He can do those things, you know. (laughs) But these are the continued works he desires to do through us, the church today. You know, we're it. We're here. We're the, he's the head. We're the body. And I love that, those girls. I didn't know they were going to sing those songs. And they were talking about the great things he has done. And in John 14, Jesus gives us the assurance that if we believe, really believe, then by his spirit, the works he did, we will do, and greater works than these. That's mind-boggling to think that way. Because so often we see a need or we come on a situation, and it's oh so much bigger than we are. But we have our helper, the Holy Spirit, and we need to remember, it's not me. It's the ministry of him in and through me. The gifts are given as needed to build up and encourage and to bring others to Jesus for transformation. And we should have a confidence, not a pride or an arrogance or a self-sufficiency, but a holy confidence in his faithfulness to continue to do great things through the church today. So for me, I know these three areas of my heart, willingness to engage, showing partiality, and really having believing faith are areas I'm always going to be growing in. I'm I'm never going to arrive in that in in the sense that people are like, oh, I don't need to be open to this anymore. I'm a work in progress. But the helper is always right alongside stirring that progression up in us. And if we let him begin new works and we, we let him bring new situations into our life, he will be faithful to complete it. I believe we are women who are genuine in our love for Jesus. I know many of you in here, and um, you're true lovers of Jesus. And we endeavor to honor him with our life and to walk in obedience to all of his commands, like be hospitable. And we often do walk out that calling um, to practically love as he's loved. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful in the church, and the world does watch. You know, I always think of like when these storms and these things come, and um, the help comes, and the you know faith-based and Samaritans and some of the other ones. Um, the world takes notice of that. So um, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but sometimes I wonder, and maybe it's only me, 
but I wonder what happens to me, like how I can know all these things and even see God doing things, and then all of a sudden, I'm the poster child for Romans chapter 7, where all the things that I want to do and know are right to do, I don't do. And all the things that I shouldn't do and don't want to do, I do. (laughs) So I'm like, what's up with that? And I, I think what hinders us from being instruments in his hand to meet the needs of those around us? Well, we're hindered by fear. And I think the number one fear for a lot of us is that question of what might this cost me? And, um, you know, we think, is it going to cost me money, you know, time, energy, emotions, um, sometimes even reputation if, you know, we feel like we fail or we don't do it right. And the reality is there is a cost to bearing with one another in the difficulties of life. And sometimes um, it's simple and needs are met in a moment. And other times it's very involved and it requires you to really walk alongside someone for a good period of time and just see them through. Needs can be physical, spiritual, emotional, or all three rolled into one great big package. So, um, but I think what happens in the face of that is we trench in and we hold tight and we strive to control and we forget that all we have is ours because it's been given to us. And often this is where grumbling and murmuring and complaining can come in um, that the first Peter verse replies or, or talks about. And... Um, Unfortunately, I have a reputation of this, even though that was very sweet, what Rachel said. <laughs> she's, she's, she's really sweet. But, you know, for many, many years, I host my family's Thanksgiving, like for a lot of years. And the family grew and, you know, and all this stuff. And I love them and I loved having them over and, um, you know, opening my home and uh, the, the time that was involved. But, you know, just complaining about all the to-dos and the cost and, you know, interaction of all the personalities. And I just turned into a big drama llama. That's what I felt like, you know. And, you know, woe is me. I have to do all these things, you know, because I love my family and it's so hard, you know. And sadly, I have to say that for many, many years, my girls did hear that murmuring and that complaining and see a not-so-pleasant um, attitude in, the, in that, and that was a bummer. And um, I lost my joy in serving, and I'm sure I lost my heavenly treasures in those seasons of that. And it's just a terrible example to everyone around you. And so we have to guard against grumbling, and that is part of the command when we practice hospitality. I cannot say that word. Hospitality that we are to, to do it really with joy is what God is saying. He's not saying practice hospitality and you're gonna, you better like it. No, he's saying practice hospitality and let it be a joy-filled move of my spirit through your life. So one way to guard against that is to practice gratitude first and then you'll, you'll be grateful. Yay for grace. So freely received, freely give and give cheerfully. And so, yes, there is the reality of cost. However, there is the good news and the promise of prospering and being refreshed. And here is our proverb for tonight, Proverbs eleven twenty-five: The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And for those who are generous, he will increase and refresh your resources, if that's what he asks of you. He'll renew your energy. 
strengthen your countenance. It's, it's hard sometimes to bear with, with one another through difficult, long seasons. The Lord can refresh that. And the, the spiritual blessings will abound in your life. Why? Because he's good and likes to bless us? Absolutely. He's a good father. You cannot outgive him. But I also believe that he does prosper and refresh and renew so that we can keep on keeping on and practicing hospitality. I love this quote by Elizabeth George. Dear friend, there's nothing more beautiful than a gracious, caring, bountiful, giving woman. As you fill your soul each day with God's word, your heart will overflow in a multitude of good works. Only it won't be work. And it won't be because you have to. And it won't be to get something back in return. No, giving from your heart will be pure joy, motivated by pure love for God, who has given so much to you. It will be passed on from you to others from a pure heart. So be generous joyfully. And I also think that we can be hindered by the fullness of our lives. I mean, what is the buzzword of today? Busy. You just, how are you? Busy. That's like the first thing people say. Um, And it's true, we are. But it can be an excuse. And we just, you know, situations or opportunities come up, and we're like, I can't, I'm too busy. You know, my room is stacked floor to ceiling, side to side. And it can't happen. And, and then, and, and they're all good things. Sometimes they're not, but a lot of times they're, they're good things. And so we rationalize and we justify and we just say, you know, I can't. Or we get into that season of like, you know what? I've paid my dues. I've done my time. And this is my time. But sometimes, ladies, the Lord might ask you to say no to something we deem good or something we feel we have a right to. So there's room in our life to say yes to a situation where he wants us to be his hands and his feet, and very often that request will come and intersect our predetermined plans. And we just don't like that, but get used to it (laughs) because it's the way of it, and we shouldn't be surprised because in the gospel readings, when you follow the life of Christ, there is a pattern. Almost always, he's in the midst of something or on his way to somewhere else when a need arose. And we should take note that most of the time, those interactions were with strangers. They weren't with people that he knew well. One of my favorite gospel stories of all time, but I was reminded of it reading this last week, is Mark 10. And that's the story of Bartimaeus. Jesus and his disciples, they're they're on their way. They're trying to get to Jerusalem, and they go through Jericho. And as they're leaving town, they're sitting literally on the side of the road, in dirt and dust, with people just passing him by, is a blind beggar named Bartimaeus who becomes aware that Jesus is near. And his voice cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And the people around him are telling him to be quiet. They're shushing him. And he cries out all the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. And I love verse 40. So Jesus stood still. And in that moment, Jesus made room for Bartimaeus. An invitation was extended. Tell him to come. He committed himself to Bartimaeus. What can I do for you? And getting to Jerusalem all of a sudden became something that wasn't quite so important. And we know from the story that Bartimaeus received his sight. And for the first time in reading this story, 
this text, it just jumped out of the page for me. It tells us that from that moment on, he followed after Jesus. And isn't that really what it's all about? All of this, all that we're doing, all that we're saying is to bring people to his presence, bring transformation, and see them follow after him. What about us? When a voice cries out or an opportunity presents, are we willing to see and hear or stop to make room? Willing to put something on the back burner and say, what can I do for you? And honestly, I've had many of these crossroads in my life, and I'm sure you all have had too. In some, I was obedient and willing to stand still and offer help. But sadly, other times, I was more like the the first two guys in the story of the Good Samaritan who came upon a tragic need, saw it, and crossed the road to pass it by. And I really grieve the posture of my heart when that happens, you know. But again, there's grace and there's forgiveness. And we can just let those things paralyze us and take us out of the game, or we can confess them and go to the Lord's grace and mercy and say, help me the next time. And sometimes the intentional organized opportunities are the ones set before us. You know, someone needs a meal, church is sending backpacks of food to school, collecting jackets for the homeless, a missionary needs a place to stay. But many times we just come upon intersections and spontaneous situations. You know, someone sitting next to you at church is weeping. You know, do we acknowledge that? Are we just like, you know, I don't want to get vested there. Um, A young mom is juggling crying kids and carts and bags in a parking lot. Can we offer help? A homeless person on the bench of your morning walk might need your bottle of water more than you need it. The clerk at the store, who is obviously having a bad day, um, needs not your, you know, but a kind word. And the Spirit is usually prompting and usually nudging us in those times. And we can choose to cross the road and pass it by or joyfully obey. And is there a place for prayer and wisdom and discernment in some situations? Yes, of course. And I have a friend, and she's always saying or consistently praying, Lord, what would you have me do? And if you don't already, I encourage you to develop a regular practice of taking time with the Lord, um, really asking him about your life, giving him reign to free room in your life so you can make room for others in yours. And we need to be asking those questions. What would you have me do? Where would you have me go? Who would you have me come alongside? And you know, those answers are going to be different for all of us. And if we're abiding in him and we can trust We can trust and rest in the paths of hospitality that are right for us. So a big caution to comparison and measuring yourself against others and how what people are doing or how people are doing things and feeling the weight of um, expectations or casting the weight of expectation on others. We need to guard against that and just walk in the Lord's grace. We're here to please the Lord and display his love, and that's going to look different for all of us. And I want to end with um, uh, the account of Mary of Bethany in Mark 14. And in an act of worship, you know, she poured out from the sum of what she had, a costly oil on the head and feet of Jesus. And her act, it was measured and it was criticized by others. You know, they're like, she should have been doing that for the poor, Um, But to Jesus, her worship was beautiful. 
She did what she could. She has done a good thing. And he does acknowledge, yes, you have the poor. There's the hurting. There's the needy. But there's also the place for worship. And ladies, I I really think that the heart of hospitality, living out biblical hospitality, making room for others, um, Romans 12 says it's our reasonable service, but I like how the New Living Translation says it's the true way to worship. So when we open our hearts and we open our hands, we open our doors to others, we do it because he is worthy, and he's worthy of our love, and he's worthy of our obedience, worthy of the glory and the honor due his name. And you know what? To him... It's beautiful. Every single one of you, when you give of what you can and you give with your pure heart, it's beautiful to him. So let's, you know, until the Lord comes, let's be about continuing great works. Greater works? I know, it feels wrong to say that. We can do greater things than Jesus did, but let's continue on in the good and the great works that he's called us and enabled us and desiring for us to do. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for the extended invitation that came to each one of us. And if there's anyone here tonight who has not received that invitation, um, I just pray for them, Lord, that they would see their need for you and the beauty of um, your love and what it can do to change a life and draw someone near to you. For salvation, yes. For eternal life, yes. But for abundant life, Lord, a life that can be used to impact others. And Lord, I do ask that you'd pour out your spirit on each one of these women tonight, Lord, that we would find our holy confidence in you, not in ourselves in any way, shape, or form, but that we would take up the call and we would take up the, the challenge to practice hospitality in the highways and byways of our own lives. And Lord, that you would receive the glory for all of that. And Lord, I do want to lift up um, all these people on the East Coast, in the Carolinas and Virginia. And Lord, I was just watching some of that um, coverage today and it grieved my heart so much, Lord. And um, I pray that we would find it in our prayers, at the very least, that we would make room in our prayers for um, rescue and restoration and the renewal that these people will need. And Lord, if you stir us in practical and um, honest and outward ways, amen to that. Lord, may we respond to the prompting of your spirit. And so as we go into our workshops tonight, Lord, I pray over conversation and fellowship and um, that each woman would walk away with something Again, to take from this night, Lord, it's fun and we're happy to be here, but there's a purpose in this night, Lord, and we want to be found faithful in it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.